my views is you know supporting my kids you know again it's it's make sure they have those basic needs and being there being present i think that's a good a good father the challenge of balancing those things out is is, is heavy sometimes and i see people that i work with and around and it's it's not easy but i think being there being present they just need you need to know that we're there for them our kids think there's so many things being thrown at them they just need to know that they've got someone in their corner who who backs them up When it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids, well, there is no roadmap. It's not easy, but the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make, but you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. I'm Stephanie Dove-Blake, your host, and today we have a very special guest joining us, Brent Copeters. Brent is one of the many masterminds behind the scenes at ClickFunnels, where he has been instrumental in the growth and success of ClickFunnels. But what truly sets him apart is his deep commitment to his family and his faith. In today's world, where work often takes precedence, Brent has managed to strike a remarkable balance between his professional achievements and his role as father and husband. Despite the demanding nature of his work, Brent has worked hard to not lose sight of what's truly important. He's a father of four, deeply involved in their lives, supporting them in their various activities and ensuring that family values remain at the core of their upbringing. So in our conversation today, we'll explore Brent's journey of discovering what's important to him and his own personal fatherhood journey. And he'll also share insights on his and his wife's decision to make intentional investments to make their home the home where all the teens want to go to hang out. He also talked about how he has learned to move past hard parts of his relationship with his father to find peace and become a loving father for his kids. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome to the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. I am here today with Brent Copeters. Man, you guys, I have had the pleasure and the honor of getting to work with Brent um, on and off uh, over the years and just getting to see him run the world in his genius, <laughs> the ClickFunnels headquarters. And I'm just so excited to bring him on because he's not only this incredible beast over in ClickFunnels, making things happen, changing lives, but he is also someone who uh, shows up and for his kids and is truly a man that seeks God, loves his wife well, and and is raising these beautiful kids. So Brent, I just want to welcome you on the podcast. Thank you so much for saying yes, for being here. Just thank you. I appreciate you. You bet, Stephanie. I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, it's it's always, you know, uh, I don't usually get to talk about these types of topics. And so I appreciate you reaching out and inviting me to, to participate. Yeah. So So tell everybody how many kids you have and what their ages are. Yeah, you bet. So we've got, we've got my wife and I uh, have four kids. And they are, they're pretty close in age. So we've got uh, an 18-year-old son, a 16-year-old daughter, a 14-year-old son, and a 12-year-old daughter. And so we have, my, my, I've got a senior in high school this year. I've got a junior in high school, and then a son in eighth grade, and then a daughter in sixth grade. Oh, my gosh. So you literally, every two years, you guys had a baby. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say so. Uh, most of mine are spaced out a little bit more, but I have friends and all of theirs are like either just a little bit uh, around a year or two years. And boy, it sure does make for a rough time when they're a little bitty. Uh, beautiful time, but, you know, can be rougher because they're so young together. But, oh, my gosh, the relationships, because they're so close in age is is just a gift, I think. What do you think? You bring a good point. Like it was kind of busy when they were young and it was kind of crazy. And again, credit to, to Amber because I was absent. I was, you know, it wasn't around for as much as, as she was, but it was busy. And then, you know, and then we had some it, things were kind of mellow. And then now they're kind of all teens and they're busy. You know, three of them are playing club basketball and, and other sports. My daughter, my six year old daughter has a job. And so it's, uh, you know, it's a lot of a lot of moving pieces. And then my wife was like, you know, the realization hit us like about a year ago, like we're going to lose like two kids, like we're going to start losing our kids. And like, and so that's been another piece of of just part of the journey. But, but like you said, they are, they're close and uh, it's fun because they've, they've got a buddy with them. Like my two boys can hang out and do stuff together. And my daughters love to do stuff together too. So it's kind of been fun. That's super cool. 
So you mentioned, uh, you know, not not being there at some points. And I know you have been instrumental in the growth at ClickFunnels. And we've heard the war stories <laughs> <laughs> of as ClickFunnels was getting started up and how hard that how hard you guys all work together and the ups and the downs that you guys have been through. Um, what does it look like as, you know, you've come into success and been able maybe to reprioritize? Or am I assuming, what has the journey been like for you with balancing work and being a father? It was definitely, you know, when the kids were younger, you know, yeah, we were busy, especially building, you know, building ClickFunnels, uh, you know, work before ClickFunnels as we prepared to build ClickFunnels. You know, for a while there, I in our church, I had a pretty, pretty um, busy church uh, calling or responsibility. And so um, I was 33, from the age 33 to 38, I was, you know, most Sundays I was gone away from my family from eight to 10 hours on a typical on Sunday. So it was like, so in Amber, I mean, so it was me gone in the morning and Amber getting our kids up and getting them dressed to go and getting the church. And we had some great, uh, great friends and people who would sit with my wife because I, I was actually sat separately from her. For, for, for part of that, those meetings. And, and that was, it was tough, but definitely saw a lot of blessings in it too, you know, for, from, from service and doing things for other people. Uh, but that was a tough, a tough time too. And then and we we're building cliff funnels at the same time and, and the travel and some of the things that were with that as well. Definitely when I had that kind of church responsibility, I, I kind of cut back on some of the travel a little bit more. And it was great because Dave Woodward actually had started with us. And so Dave was doing a little more traveling with Russell at the time. And so uh, it was a great, great, um, great support to me as I was trying to be present with my family and also help with the responsibilities that I I had, uh, agreed to. So, but it was, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been an amazing journey and, uh, and, and now still very busy. Uh, but you know, when, when I, my kids have got tournaments and things like that, like I just, I just take the time. I just, I know that time is we're running short and, you know, we got to build those memories and, and those experiences uh, now that we can. And so I'm definitely taking advantage of those while I can. Oh, I love it. And, and I know that you are taking that time, you're, you, you're having the trips and you're doing the things. And I'm curious, you know, with how you were raised, what are some of the things from, you know, in your childhood that you're bringing over into your parenting, both maybe positive or negative? Yeah, uh, you know, we grew up, I grew up in a, in a home um, where, uh, you know, we, financially, we, my parents struggled. Uh, you, you know, I didn't really think about it very much when I was a kid. You know, you don't, don't really notice. But, you know, my dad worked three or four jobs and my mom ended up going. Uh, she was a, a homemaker for a chunk of time. But when I got to be about first or second grade, she uh, went to school, got her teaching degree. And she became this, a full time school teacher uh, to help support our, our household, our family. And um you know, there's seven kids in my family growing up. And so it was kind of crazy busy. I have, I have a twin brother. And so, uh, you know, we we're kind of double trouble and we were pretty active in school and sports and activities. And, and those aren't aren't inexpensive, uh, you know, but I, I grew up in a home where um, I, I, I felt loved. I wasn't I had a dad who didn't express his love very often, but he showed it. And and, and there was times where I struggled with my relationship with my dad, uh, you know, having a twin brother and having some other brothers. Uh, you know, he was closer in the relationship with with my other brothers than he was with me. He just just had more things in common with them than he did with me, uh, which was which was fine. But as a, as a as a kid, I struggled with that. Uh, you know, but, but in later on in life, and even with distance, uh, that relationship got got sweeter and got better. Uh, and uh, it was, and you know, and we lost my, my dad unexpectedly, you know, ten years ago. And I was grateful that that relationships had been repaired. You know, that we 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 had. Be able to kind of, without knowing he was, he'd be gone, express that love and, and appreciation for each other. You know, he was a guy that I'd call on my daily commute. I just call every day and check with my dad. And, but, you know, as a kid, I didn't, I didn't check in very often with my dad. And so, you know, so it's so one thing that I'm trying to do differently as a parent is, is tell my kids, you know, not just necessarily show them because I, I, my dad worked hard. And, and so we felt the love, uh, but to, to tell my kids too, because I think you need to hear it and see it. And so that's, that's something I, and for my boys, uh, I, my dad didn't ever hug us. It wasn't, we're, we're very affectionate. And so I, I still struggle a little bit, especially with, with male to male, you know, affection. It's not, it's not an easy thing for me to do. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I try to do more of that for my, my kids, especially my boys. 
So I, that, um, I love that. And I think that is uh, really extremely powerful because you're breaking down that wall for them. But in what you experienced with your dad, as far as him, uh, maybe just having more things in common with another another sibling. And so henceforth, you're watching them have a deeper relationship potentially than what you're experiencing yourself. How are you, how are you handling that with your four kids? I mean, it's definitely not seven, but four is still a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I try to just show up and be there for, for what they're doing, uh, you know, supporting them in those activities and, and being there, you know, with my, my, my second child, my daughter, um, you know, she, she is, um, more introverted and she doesn't really love the limelight. She doesn't like the attention. And so, you know, we've tried to get her involved in different activities and she's done it. And then, but when, you know, she'll do piano practice, but when the recital shows up, she's nervous and anxious and can't really perform. And, and so she kind of, we've let her kind of make choices of kind of stopping some of those different activities. And, and, uh, you know, so, so when I can, I try to, I try to support her in different ways. Uh, you know, it's different than you can show up to a basketball game or, or other activities that way. But, uh, you know, just trying to be there um, when I can to, to let them know that I love and appreciate them. Ah, oh, that's so good. It, have Have there been any like major epiphanies or aha moments in your fatherhood journey? Like as you've been, you know, because as you've, you know, became a father and you're just, I mean, you're in the thick of it right now from 12 to 18 years old. Are there any moments that you can think back on and be like, man, that changed me. Like it changed who I am as a father. Uh, you know, I, that's a good question. You know, we, a few years ago, we were, um, as we were, we were actually at a Christmas party. It was a, it was a company Christmas party and, you know, it was Dave and Carrie Woodward and we were, um, we were all together, but Dave and Carrie, we started, and Amber and I started having a conversation about raising kids. And, you know, I'm like, man, you've got, you've raised such amazing kids like Dave and Carrie, they're, you know, they're, they're these teenage boys and, and, you know, Chandler's at the end. And, and I think he was on a mission at the time. And, you know, the, the other three kids, boys coming up and, you know, good looking kids are in Southern California. I'm like, like, how do you manage to keep these kids? Like, good you know like they, there's there's so many things they could be doing and and uh and anyway they we just we had we were actually at a bowling alley we were at a bowling alley here in town and everyone was bowling and dave and carrie and, and amber and i just kind of sat in the corner and we just visited and we just like sucked from their brain and they were just sharing ideas of like how to how to engage how to how to maybe you know create a welcoming home so that your your kids' friends want to be there and and just little tricks of of you know including Carrie's advice of having frozen cookie dough so she can just pop those in the oven really quick and the friends you know you're always just feeding kids and you know Dave talked about how how expensive his Costco trips were and stuff but but you know even after kids were raised and out of the house like some of their kids as friends would still stop by because of that relationship they had with with Dave and Carrie. And so Amber and I, like, we were actually looking at building a home. And so even some of the ideas of, of how to design and build a home that was structured so that there's some space for the kids to be with their friends, but that it was welcoming and open. And, and uh, you know, that was, a, that was a big part. Uh, I, I credit to Dave and Carrie for that. It was, uh, it meant a lot that they took the time to kind of share and just opened up. And I mean, again, they've got amazing kids. I'm like, man, if my kids could just be half as cool as, as your kids and, and good kids at, are generous and loving and and then I'd be I'd be I feel like it was really successful and and so I that's something that role models that we've we've looked to to help raise our kids. So Brent, I don't know if you've listened to it or if you're listening right now if you haven't listened to it yet. I got to interview Chandler Woodward and the just the epiphanies and the things that Dave did as a father in his life were really kind of if I can be dramatic here, but it's true. It was really kind of breathtaking um, whenever he was reflecting back on the things that his dad did that really impacted him. And uh, so credit to Carrie and Dave, as far as, you know, setting that example and and living the life and raising the kids because it's not easy. And they did, they did a lot of really amazing things, right. And they have the boys to to show for it. <laughs> right. Um, so, so how, so you've implemented that now. So do you have a house full of teenagers <laughs> coming over, eating all the cookie dough all the time, or what does yeah. that look like for you guys? Yeah, it is. It's fun. You know, again, like, you know, we, we did some stuff. We, you know, you, you sacrificed and, you know, we put it in a pool and we did some things that like, again, create these spaces and, and it is fun to have our kids, kids coming over and, and, uh, you know, I think kids, kids growing up now, it's a different time. I mean, there's so many things, you know, you can talk about electronics, you can talk about dopamine hits that they get from all these different, different things. And it's, a, it's very true. I mean, it's, you know, kids, it seems like they struggle to date and struggle to have just like kind of normal, it feels like associations that I feel like, you know, for us, it wasn't so 
awkward, it's so different. Uh, and that's that's a challenge, I think, right now. Um, I was actually talking to one of our team members today, earlier today, about, about that. Like, it's a struggle. And, um, you know, so, but it is fun to be able to have, have the space and have kids. And we have to kind of coordinate, like, we have to communicate, like, hey, you know, if you are making plans with, with have friends over, like, you need to let us know because there's other kids making plans too. And we want to make sure that there's, you know, I mean, we've got a basement, we, you know, we got an upstairs, we have a different space, but we want to make sure that, you know, we're not overlapping. And so sometimes we have to alternate, hey, you know what, Boston, you can have a basement Friday night and Carter's going to have a Saturday night. And, you know, however we decide that, but uh, it takes some coordination for sure and planning. Oh, that's so fun. So do you go down and hang out with the teenagers or is there like kind of like an in and out strategy? Like we've, <laughs> we've, uh, we, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about this now. I think it's because we moved often and now we live kind of out in the country and our kids' school is like 30 minutes away. And so I'm like, I'm thinking about this and like, we don't have a ton of kids over when we do. It's a blast. Like we, we have so much fun, but I do know there's like a level of like, you know, do I go in there right now? Or, or, you know, like, what is that like for you with all the teenagers coming over? You know, I, we try to, I try to give, give space. Like I don't try to try to hover. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, um, we, 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 we definitely try to be home. I mean, yeah, we, we try to be helicopter parents, but we're home usually. And usually I'm kind of up in the, the kitchen family room area. It's so like when they, hit, when they have to come in, they come in in a door, they're going to see me and I'm going to be able to acknowledge them. And, and it's fun, you know, some, it's fun when some of the kids like come in and like introduce themselves to me. Like, you know, not every kid does it, but it's fun. That I'm like, man, like, you know, it's nice when they do that. Like, I just like, they make eye contact and they just it's do the little things. It's becoming a lost like, okay. art, Brent. Like, I know. A lost I know. art. Kids like don't even want to look you in the eyeballs. I know. And that, you know, that makes me nervous. When I see those kids, I'm like, I don't know if I like that kid. But, um, but you know, uh, one of the things that you know, Carrie suggested, like, you know, when she talked about her, her dough, like, I mean, she said, you know, like I'd be baking cookies and like they, I'm baking cookies, but she's like, but I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the conversations and, you know, I can, I'm hearing the language that's being used. I'm hearing the topics and, you know, and she, and she's not that I'm eavesdropping, but like, but you're, it's important. I can kind of know and hear what was, what's being said. And, and so we'll, you know, so we'll take things down to the kids and we're like, oh, hey, here's some, you know, here's some more treats and here's some drinks. And um, just, so, just, we want them to know that we're there, but again, but we trust our kids to be able to help make decisions. And I think it's important that they feel that like, you know, that they can be responsible for that area and, and with their friends. And, and they know that if, if things are out of control, like I'll, I'll call them, I'll text them and say, Hey, like, you know, turn the TV oh, down yeah. or whatever we need to do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we try to be home and be, be there. I think, you know, I think it's important even for other parents to know that, you know, our kids aren't, you know, that this is an empty home, that there's people there. Mm-hmm, for sure. And, and I think there's safety that sometimes other kids don't have whenever the parents are present and they're there. And I like to just break down the wall. Uh, I try not to be that parent who's trying to like hang out with the teenagers all the time, but I do love teenagers. <laughs> and, but I, I try to break down the wall of like, I want to know you, you teenager, you. And a lot of them are used to a space where adults really don't want to know who they are and they don't make the effort. It can catch a lot of them off guard sometimes. But I feel like a, a lot of the lack of eye contact is, I think, definitely connected to screens, but also too, they don't necessarily think anybody wants to make eye contact with them. You know, like it's not an expectation for, for them to connect with people beyond the phone which I think is really kind of sad in a lot of ways, but it's, it's becoming more and more. I'm having more conversations with more people just talking about the kids in their lives and not necessarily like our kids to us, but like the other kids that come into our circles and just no eye contact, just no ability to conversate truly without extreme awkwardness and, and which is fine at a certain level. Cause some of us are just awkward, but <laughs> Um, so how is it going with screens for you guys? Like what has been y'all's game plan with screens in your home? You know, it is a struggle. I don't think we're unique from anybody else. You know, we've, we've done things where, um, you know, this, the screens have to be, you know, our, our the phones are going to be plugged in into our room at night. Like, so I got like a, you know, a multi multi-charger thing, you know, with cords and they got to plug them in there. But it's like, I feel like we're babysitting that always. And it's so frustrating. Um, and then we kind of went through, through a phase where we just kind of like, just kind of gave up on it. And then we're like, I'm coming back full circle, just recognizing that, um, you know, it's easy. It's easy for kids to waste time and just like, not live like they you know that they live this virtual life through through technology and so uh we went back into apple and just with screen time and we've kind of put back controls on screen time and 
my kids hate it. Like they're like, it's, they do not like it at all. Uh, you know, we, we, we put on there and how much time they have in different apps and, and access. And when they exceed that time, it shuts down. They can't access it. And it they do not like that. And and they have to request it. Like, you know, if they want more Snapchat time, they've got to like request it. And I can say another 15 minutes or an hour or all day, but you know, I think, I think, I think it's important that they know that there are, there, there's limits in life and you don't get unlimited, unlimited access. And, and, you know, but, but it's hard because that's most kids, that's their social, right? Snapchat, like, you know, my daughter said the other day, like, you know, kids don't text anymore. And, you know, it's all through Snapchat. And um, so they're, I mean, they're talking, but it's all this virtual, virtual, virtual talking. Like the idea of me, you know, having, you know, my, my daughter call or my boys to call friends, they don't call friends. They just, they snap, you know, they pictures and, and random pictures. And yeah, I, I don't even know. I don't spend enough time to Snapchat to even understand how it works. I know those filters. I know they do these like side weird pictures or or pictures of ceiling or walls or I don't know. Or I don't know. The whole nose. thing. Like, did your yes. do any of y'all do that? I'm like, why? Like, yeah, I'm like getting one eyeball. <laughs> yeah. So I don't understand it, but um, but that's like that. It's just a different. It's a different deal. So so for us, I mean, we we definitely try to control um, you know, some of the access and try to put some of those things in place. But it, it is difficult, and and a thousand percent, we see the effects of of screens and. And what is done to our kids, for mm-hmm. sure. And how do you handle that whenever you get the pushback from the kids, especially just like internally? Because it's it's a hard uh, boundary to hold. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, and, and part of it is like, I mean, I want them, I want them to be able to communicate with their friends. Like that's the one thing. So again, I can, we, you can limit, you know, TikTok or limit some different apps and say, no, like you don't. And even our youngest daughter, like, I like, I don't want you to have TikTok. Like it's, it definitely is. I mean, I find myself sometimes like I've gone these different times where I've gotten rid of TikTok or I've been on TikTok. And, <laughs> it's so and addicting. for me, I'm, it is, it's horribly addicting. And I, I like, I, I cook, I bake more because I get these cool recipes. I want to try things out. And, uh, but, uh, it is, it, is is such a time suck uh, for sure and again i'm not interacting with people and so you know it's, it's a struggle again i think it's 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 a daily it's a daily struggle but you know they do get up they get upset and we just tell them we love them like we just we want them to come down come and help us make dinner come and help like let's have a conversation let's let's do something together let's go for a drive like like let's do something other than be on our phones because it it definitely impacts impacts them yeah oh that's so good so I I know that so many people who are listening can definitely just resonate with what you're talking about, because I think the majority of all parents are dealing with the same thing uh, unless they've like restricted. And I find that there's a really hard spot. Maybe you'd agree or wouldn't agree, but the where, you know, whenever they're younger, it's one thing to just be like no screens at this time. And you just like physically take them and, and it is what it is. Right. But as they become teenagers and you introduce the social aspect, it's a whole different conversation. And oftentimes I hear parents feeling extreme guilt because it's like, well, I can't keep them from being able to communicate with their friends because, you know, friends are important and, and I can't disagree with that. That's absolutely true. One thing though, that I've had a couple conversations with recently is like, what was your childhood like with your friends? And I was thinking about mine and, you know, we had one phone, well, you know, two, two phone, two phones, but one line and it didn't have call waiting, you know? Uh, so like if the phone, if, if my friend called, we would sit physically on a phone that was limited by a cord Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, until the cordless was released. And that was the extent of the kind of conversations. And they they never, I mean, there were a couple of times I'd stay on the phone for a couple hours with a friend or whatever, but I was never like just on the phone with my friends all the time with constant communication. And the only other equivalent to that would be like, you know, back in the day, whenever kids would ride their bikes and they'd all end up at somebody's house and there'd be bikes out in front of the the house and you'd be hanging out together doing something in person, right? And so I just think the expectations of how much time you get to spend with your friends after school is, is, is this skyrocketed. Like, it's almost like this expectation. No, I should get to be, and I need to be in constant communication with my friends just because that's what predominantly the world is doing. That's what everybody's doing. So I need to stay in contact with them just as much as everybody else is communicating. But in reality, I don't think it's ever meant to be that way. Like, Uh, The friends aren't, especially in the teenage years, I think what happens is the friends become the predominant connection, if you will, or they can, they can become the predominant connection because they're spending time with their friends at school and then they want to continue spending time with their friends at home. 
and past school hours, which is natural and normal. And it's not anything wrong with that per se, but where's the balance where I think if you look back even just a hundred years ago, this it didn't work that way. That wasn't the way the structure of the family worked. And, you know, and so I think in teenage years, you start to see that just dissection almost of like, you know, now that I'm a teenager, my family doesn't play as strong of, of a role. My friends are really taking on more of that role. And I think there's some parts of it that are natural, but it's gone askew. You know what I mean? Like way far, too far to, to one side of the pendulum. And um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that that is this is so interesting. Uh, and you're right. You know, you know, back in the day, I say back in the day, I'm this old person, but, um, <laughs> you know, but it's like, I mean, yeah, like you wouldn't know where, I mean, um, it, it, you know, the, ch- the challenging right now too with, 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 with teens and, and technology is, you know, again, it's it's a cyberbullying stuff. It, it, it's the it's the uh, passive aggressive. It's it's the group text with all, me and all my friends. But you, we know you're not included here. But we're going to send you a picture of all of us together. You're not here, and it just makes people feel horrible about themselves. And that's the kind of stuff that, again, as parents, we want to protect. But but like we 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 can't. I mean, you know, it, it's um you know the, the only way to protect that would be to remove those apps, remove the the technology there. Like again, back in the day, if you were with the drive with your with your family or somebody, you drove by a friend's house and you saw all your other friends' bikes all parked outside. You're like, oh, they're all together, and I'm not there. You know, that's how it was. But it was it took a lot of effort to to know that and to like to see coincidence, that. really, but, yeah. Totally coincidence, yeah. And now it's I mean, it is in your face essentially. Like I mean, those our kids. It, they know they're excluded. They know that um, kids are together and they're not, they're not invited. And then they, and they go down this whole path of like, I'm not, why wasn't I invited? I'm, they don't like me. And all these things that also now we as parents have to try to manage. And lots of times we don't know, you know, we don't know that our kids are, are you know, saw this post and like they're upstairs in the room now depressed because they weren't, they weren't included in that. And, uh, and, and kids can be, I mean, I think kids have always kind of been, you know, some kids mean, can be great and some kids can, can kind of be mean too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but it's like, it's just another, it's another weapon almost too, which is so sad. And yet we, we happily give these weapons to our kids and like, we think that it's going to make their life, improve their life. And sometimes it's, it's for us, it's for our convenience to be able to like talk to them and know where they're at and, and check in. Uh, but in the same regards, it's, it, you know, friends can check in and, 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 bad ways or mean ways. And, you know, we, we I, I definitely recognize it's, it's, you know, you know, people can have their thoughts on, on physical guns or weapons, but I'm like, this is, this is a weapon that we're, you know, we're, our kids have had in their pockets and it's, and it's a struggle for adults too. It's not just for teens, but you know, we, 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 you know, they've got access to some of the most amazing things and beautiful things in, in the world. And they've got access to some of the worst de- devastating, destructive things in the world on one, on one device in their pocket that they carry around with them. And, Man, it's, ugh. I mean, that's why I've loved, I loved what you've done because you're bringing a light to this and you're helping bring attention to it because it is such a, it is such an important thing to talk, to talk about. And, and again, I don't know if there's a best total best practices that's out there. I mean, I think that's obviously what you're, you're trying to find that. And it's, you know, it is a, it's, it's interesting. I think every, every child's different. Every family's different, how they do that. You know, um, you know, my kids, my oldest, my oldest son, I asked him to do something and most of the time without any pushback, he's like, okay, dad, I'll do it. And then I asked my, my third son or my third child. And it's like, well, where's so-and-so? Why aren't they doing this? Why are you asking me? Uh-huh. And it's just like yes. 50 questions. And so I didn't want to freaking ask him to do anything because I had to deal with all that crap. So I go out and like pick up dog poop and whatever I got to do. And instead of even bugging my kids, I just do it myself because it's, I'll get it done. But yeah. Hey, powerful parents, Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events, testing your patients, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email and I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. 
Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair. Print them out. Have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar and my kids decorated it. And that's where we put all of our questions. And that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day. We've been using these questions for close to eight years now. And I've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them. I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have. Again, that's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Now back to the show. No, totally. And I have one of those too. I have one that is just bent that way. I'm telling you from the moment this one could talk, he was wondering why someone else had something that he didn't have or that why does he have to do the thing <laughs> that someone else didn't have to do? And I'm like, why are you wired this way? Yeah. <laughs> because I do believe he's wired that way. And so we have to work on mindset a lot, you know? Um, but you know, you bring up something that I don't know that we've ever really talked about. And honestly, I've never really thought about this aspect of it. Of course, there's the feeling of being left out and, 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 and bullies who mean to be mean can literally just shove it in people's face of like, look, you are being left out. And I, that's, that's a very, you know, important thing. I don't think that people actually think about, but you made me realize also when they're in that groove of being in the conversation, the expectation to be in the know and be checking your phone and to be available to your friends. Like that's just an added stressor that I didn't have as a kid. Like I, my mom, she was like, the phone is there for my convenience and nobody else's. So like if the phone rang, my mom was, did not feel obliged to answer it. And I was like, that's interesting because I thought, mom, just answer the phone. And, but now we live with this phone, at, you know, in our pockets and you know, there's no cord and it just, it, it, you know, the notifications, everything. And it's just pinging, pulling and asking for our attention. But whenever you add in the fact that there's a social group that our kids are a part of, and then there's an expectation of someone, oh, well, you didn't like it, or you didn't see it, or you got behind, or you didn't see what happened in that thread or I mean, that's, that's a lot of pressure on our kids, uh, a lot. I've never really thought about that before. So thank you for that. That's an interesting aspect of, of just awareness of what also our kids are dealing with in both positive ways and negative ways, because I think whenever they get those little dings and they, they feel like they do need to respond, it helps them feel like they are a part of something, which I think ultimately is, especially in the teenage years, one of the biggest things that teenagers are looking for. They want to know that they have value, that they belong somewhere, and that they not just have value in and of itself innately, but that they can provide value and show up in some way. And kids, whenever they don't necessarily feel or find that in their homes, uh, you, their peers will be standing there waiting to try to give them some placebo form of that, you know? And and so it's like, no, I belong in this group. This is my where my identity is. And they start to see that outside of the home, which is is the hardest part. And, and like you said before, the answer isn't necessarily to remove the screens necessarily. Some For some people it is, but it's not necessarily um, the answer here. It's more about conversation and connection, which is what powerful parenting is all about. But I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about a topic that I feel like gets pushed to the back burner. And I, I hate that for, for men because I feel like men in general, um, we live in a world right now where there's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity and about, I don't know, this de degradation, uh, degrading talk around men and fathers. And I just, I know some, I know incredible men in my life, you being one of them. I think you're an incredible man. You always advocate. You've, I've been in the ClickFunnels space for forever. And despite a lot of the naysayers, I've never been treated differently because I was a woman. You've always been uh, just an incredible leader in general. And so, but I, I feel like we talk about mom guilt a lot. Uh, but fatherhood and, and dad guilt doesn't get talked about a whole bunch. And so it, do you think that there's a difference between what moms experience and their mom guilt uh, versus what uh, dad feels in his dad guilt? Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's there for sure. I think that, uh, you know, sometimes dad guilt, um, you know, I think again, society's expectations are, are different, you know, sometimes with between men and women and between moms and dads. And, and I think, you know, it, lots of times that thing that mom guilt comes from, you know, their, their primary responsibility is rearing and, and caring for children. And, and the, the husband, the dad is out, you know, su supporting the family financially and, and in other ways. And I, so I think it, it brings on that guilt, but I, but I think, um, I, but I think obviously now in, in society, you know, we've got a lot of, divorced you know single households where you know again um 
you know, that, 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 that husband, that man, or, you know, the, the father is like the, he's wearing both hats and he's got to be the primary caregiver sometimes. And he's also got to be the breadwinner and, and same thing, but for, for the female, for the mom, I mean, sometimes she's, she's out working and, but she's got to kind of wear both things that has. So I think that, that it's, it's there. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot, there is a lot of dad guilt, I think out there, but I think it, it, at least, at least for me, sometimes in my head, it's like, and the, the financial responsibility of you know of taking care of the household and making sure that our kids are, are fed and clothed and, and sheltered and all the things, uh, you know, I'm I'm blessed because um, you know my wife is able to is able to be be home with our kids and and but then she has a whole bunch of guilt of feeling like she's not contributing to the to the household to the finances and all the things that come with that because I think the pressure of, of the world that teaches you know that unless you're out working as a female that you're not good enough, that you're not really contributing. Yeah. You're, you know, you're not. And, 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 and so she, she struggles with that. And, you know, I mean, for, for me, there's no way I could do, I could do what I do and show up um, professionally in, 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 the, in the world that I do. Uh, if, if I, if I, you know, without her and what she does in terms of like, taking care of our home, taking care of our kids, like the primary, making sure school and homework and all the things oh, are being yeah. done. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I would, you know, I, I would have to like, literally like work part time, you know, to be able to try to do that and do that because it's, it's so important. And, uh, and so, you know, anyway, I, I kind of didn't really answer your question, but I, I think that I think it can go both ways. I think for sure. I think there are, is, is some of that dad guilt out there. Um, but we don't talk about it for sure as much, for sure. Yeah. What about your role as a father? Uh, I know that you're heavily involved in your church and, I believe, I don't know, because I'm not a member of, of the Church uh, of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Did I make sure I said it? Yeah, you said it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because I know. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I, I, I have so much respect for the men and women and the families that I have met um, who are, and uh, they are teaching something very powerful um, through the church because some of the children I've met, the parents I've met, some of the most committed, intentional incredible parents and the kids are just, I, I don't know. I, I met uh, Catherine Jones and uh, Lisanne Murphy and a, a couple others that, you know, they were kind of younger girls and I met them. And I'm like, who raised you? Like, you're amazing. <laughs> what is going on here? And I kept seeing this common thread with all these amazing young people that I would meet and they were in the church. And so I, what the heck? What are, what are you being taught? <laughs> like what, what's being taught in the church around family, particularly with you as a father? Like what, what are they, how, what, I know you've learned from your own father, but what is the, how does the church train and teach the family to lead uh, specifically fathers? Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, you know what it is it's the basis i mean it's it, for for us you know as as a as a church as a religion as a faith you know it, it, the family is is like is the most important core of like of of why we're here like it's 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 where we're here and where we're going you know we believe that families our family relationships extend beyond death that you know um you know we, we will be together forever um and so you know family is is so is so important it's really it's what we're here it's it's the most pivotal part of 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 who we are and so so, you know, it, we have this, we have this window of time again, we, you know, we believe that we, we lived as spirits before we came to this earth and we have a body and then we believe we'll live, uh, we'll live again and we, and with our families and those relationships and that's, what we take with us, you know, beyond, beyond death is those relationships. And, and so, you know, as a, as a faith, you know, again, I don't, I'm not a spokesperson of our faith, but, um, you know, everything we, we, we learn and we study it, it's, it's to help fulfill that mission of, of, of being with our families and caring and loving one another and, you know, having having Christ as an as, as example of of that love and and support, um, and you know, and we've got different kind of tenets of beliefs in our in our in our faith. You know, one is uh, many many years ago, uh, our church leadership came out with uh, you know we have a, we have a, we believe we have a living prophet who speaks on behalf of God, and um, this was like in the early nineties. I can't remember the exact year, but came out with, with a it's called the Proclamation of the Family. And you, know, you can go look it up. And it, um, you know, it, there's there's certain things that were said there that I remember when that came out. Um, you know, things of of believing that marriage is between a man and a woman. Like, and this is back in like in the early nineties where it was like, of course, like why would they even say that? Why would they even put that on? That's marriage is that. Um, and uh, and you know, fast forward 20, 30 years later, and it, it, you know some of those def definitions are, are are questionable now today. Like it's just different. 
And, uh, you know, again, I, and I, I, I don't judge people. People can live how they want to live, but it was interesting when, um, when they came out and defined the roles and the importance of genders and that, that this is a thing that was created by God. This isn't just an accident and we can't just change or pretend it we're, we're different. Um, and, and it's been, again, it's, it's, that's been a, a struggle for a lot of people who've, who've, um, who have had different beliefs kind of come up like to, to, to be able to help, like, well, I, I believe this, I was taught this thing, but, but you know, I've got a son or daughter who, who feel differently. And, and it's, it's been a really, I've got someone in our family. I've got a member of our family um, who is, is transgender essentially. And, and, and that's been a real hard thing to kind of like equal that out. Like, well, I'm told this and it's, it's a struggle. And at the end of the day, it's like, we believe that, you know, that love at the end of the day, it, you know, love carries us through those things. And uh, at the end of the day, God, God loves all of his children. And, and so, you know, we, again, I, we try to treat our, those we interact with, with that love and, and respect. Yeah. And so, okay. So what I hear you saying is there's definitely this foundation of family first, right? Like not just, it's almost like not even family first. It's like family is everything essentially. And, and that's, that's laid down on a foundation. And then furthermore, I hear unconditional love, right? Being able to love your kids well and your wife well, right? And, and then also too, I, I see certain things though, practically that, uh, like the, uh, I believe family meetings like every week or every other week or so. And, and, uh, I, if, do I understand? Is it correct that the dad leads that is supposed to lead that? Yeah, technically it's called like family home evening. And it's, you know, the church kind of, you know, asked us to have like, you know, one night a week. And, and initially growing up, it was like, it was like Monday nights. And I think the, the church is kind of like, you know what, whatever night, you know, Monday nights might not work for people, but like, you know, there's, there's a night or a time set up. I mean, it's not a whole night, but a time set up aside. You know, as a kid, we grew up and it was, we had family home evening. It was Monday nights and it was like, there's no friends. There's no TV. Like we just, it was like this time to be together as a family. And uh, one member of the family was, was assigned a little lesson to do. And someone was assigned uh, to say the prayer and someone was assigned to snack. And so it was kind of this fun family gathering time where we didn't have all the distractions of the world and, and friends and all the things and sports practices. Like you know, I grew up in a small town and, and the, the coaches just knew you don't hold certain practices on, on Monday night because that's when that's a family night and um and and so we we practice that we don't we as a family i'm not someone that's super great at like doing that per se but we we definitely have have pox of times where we we will do those kinds of things we'll and we'll pull out a lesson and talk about a lesson we'll watch an uplifting video uh, that maybe the church comes comes out with or, or another uplifting video we find that amber's like hey i want to share this with you guys youtube video or something and we'll talk about those things and we'll, and we'll coordinate schedules that like we kind of use as an opportunity to kind of just talk about the week. Like what, what do you have going on this week? And just, just circling the wagons a little bit and making sure that we're, we're on the same page and again, where we got to be and who's doing what and checking on schools, so, uh, grades and classes and just helping support our kids and having that time where they've got, they've got that time with us to ask questions. And and uh, that's been important, especially when our kids were little, we definitely were really, it's harder now because our kids are all over the place time-wise, but when they were real little, we, that was like really sacred time for us. Yeah. Well, and I love that there's such a practical application there. And there's a couple things that the practice of that is doing that. I don't know if they call out or not, but giving each kid an assignment. Again, we were talking about earlier, what is a kid? What do kids want? Especially moving into the teenage years, they want to have a sense of belonging. They want to be able to provide value and show up as a valuable human being. Um, and uh, they want connection, right? And so in the having that thing, for one, you're creating rhythms in your family that can be expected, which creates stability in the heart of our kids. Um, but then uh, for them to have an expectation to produce something, to come up with something like you're going to come up with a snack or you're going to lead the lesson. And, you know, that responsibility and expectation is so good for kids, no matter how young they are, even it's the smallest of thing, but especially when you get into tween and teen years. So it's so cool that, that that's worked into the church and your faith and, um, you know, whether it's all the time or not, whether it's only some time, I just think that's phenomenal. So uh, one other thing I wanted to dive in with you about is just asking if you have any soapboxes as far as things that just kind of irk you or drive you crazy about parenting or kids nowadays or anything you feel like you you could kind of rant on a little bit. That's a good question. I, I, know, I don't know if there's anything really specific other than like, man, I think... I think our kids need to know that they are loved. I think that they need to know that, that we love and care about them no matter what. 
Um, you know, I, you know, you always kind of hear this stories of like, especially daughters, you know, I, I've heard the stories of daughters, you know, that if, if daughters don't feel the love and, and, you know, appreciation from, from their dads, they're going to go find it in someone else's arms. And I'm like, you know, and, and who knows who that is? Uh, you know, you hope you, you, the kids will, will obviously at some point find it, find a great, great partner and mate. But, um, but, you know, so that's been one thing I think is just, is just helping my kids know that that they're loved. And if they, I feel like they know that there's a, that security in life and in their, in their own relationships with, with people that at the end of the day, mom, dad, love you. And, uh, and, you know, we, we, we hope we, we teach them and we hopefully lead by example of, of that love and, and how to exude trust in others. And, and I think we do that. I think that that's, that's going to help, help our kids navigate through, through all the craziness that they're having to deal with. So how do you show that to them? Like practically in your life, what are some of the ways that you find yourself showing your your daughters and your boys, of course, that they're loved unconditionally? Like, are there any practical things that maybe people could take away? You know, I, it's, it's, it's vocalizing it. It's, it's showing it. And it's the actual affection, like hugging. Like, again, my daughter, Brooklyn, who's 16, she is... As even as a baby, she did not love to be snuggled. Like, you know, I'd have to like, anyways, <laughs> she just, she just was a kid, didn't love that. And and so it's a struggle, but I purposely have to consciously, you know, I'll, I'll go up and I'll just give her a hug. Like I'll even from the, I'll just give her a hug. And, and uh, it, it, I know it, she doesn't love it, uh, but I know she loves it. And, uh, and so, you know, those, those are the things I get, but, it, but again, because I did not grow up with a dad who, who, I mean, my dad, you know, you know, in terms of public display of affection, I never saw my parents like very, very, very limited, not really hold handing, not hugging, not kissing. And, um, and so we, I, we try to do that. I try to do that. I try to, but again, I have to like consciously think about it. I need to say, I love you. I need to, I need to go up and give, give her a hug or him a hug. And, and, uh, I need to spend time. I need to put down my device and I need to like have those eye, you know, eye contact moments and, and, uh, you know, I, because of some different activities with my kids, I've been able to travel a little bit with them too. And, and I can have these, like, these just one-on-one conversations. And I think that's important to have, uh, even because it can be kind of crazy with, with four kids and, and two dogs and five, fried chickens. And, you know, like, it's like, it can be, you know, you've got horses. I mean, you've got like all the things. And, and, uh, I think, I think it's just, it's having that time and taking that time and to just really express. And again, I, I think sometimes people can do the lip service, but then they're, they don't treat people nice. Like it's easy to say, Oh, I love you. And then beat somebody like that. You know, it has to, it has to be the same. You have to be able to, to show it, you know, say it and show it and do it. And that's important. I love that. Are you, I don't know if it's as, as important to you. I guess it has to be important to all of us. Um, but I just haven't picked up on it necessarily in our conversation, but you mentioned that you like to cook and bake. Is that right? I do. Okay. So are you, do you try to balance out your time for like filling your own cup so that you can show up well for your family? Like is cooking and baking one of those things or is that a priority for you or? You know, it's a good question. I, I enjoy, so um, I, I think I sent to you like, so acts of service is my love language. And uh, you know, it's so, so for me, I do those things. Like I, you know, again, this yard work stuff. Yeah. It serves me, but like, but um you know, so, so when I, you know, cooking or baking, especially if, you know, if we're getting for friends or, you know, for our kids for dinner, and um, I enjoy that. It's something I can kind of just use a different part of my brain, you know, all day. I'm kind of, I feel like I'm solving a lot of problems and doing, doing a lot of things, you know, professionally for work. And I can kind of go home and just, it's just a different type of thinking. And, and, and I enjoy, I enjoy that. And I enjoy, you know, again, making something I'm not, the, I wouldn't say I'm the best, but I, it's, it's fun to be able to make loaves of bread for people and make cookies and, and uh, do some things like that, that, uh, you know, that, that they enjoy. Yes. I'm like so excited about that because I just got into sourdough bread. I'm not a cooker or a baker or any of that, but I went to a sourdough class uh, with my sister-in-law just because I wanted to spend time with her and I thought it looked cool. And I've made about three or four sourdough loaves and it's just changed my life. And I'm like, how am I become this bread nerd? And I have a starter that I'm having to feed and like it's like this whole situation, Brent, and I might need some some help. <laughs> <laughs> I I have invention of sourdough because of that whole thing. I, I I make you know yeast bread, like just super easy bread, like easy easy. But again, I I, I mean TikTok is like I get these ideas from TikTok, and I get like step by step, and I watch it and I pause oh my it. Gosh, I, yeah. I you know I, I would be lost without that. But it, it makes it fun. Um, but but it is it's a fun it's a fun different activity. And so yeah, I think for me. Yeah, it's, it's spend the time supporting kids at different games and, and then um, and then kind of cooking and, and uh, just caretaking is, is kind of the way that I like to kind of refill my cup. That's so awesome. I bet that's such a blessing to your family. 
Um, so now we know you're over on Bread Talk over there. You've got your, your news feed probably like Bread Talk, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Mine's starting to be just now. Uh, but uh, the acts of service piece I wanted to pull out too because I'm a I'm a geek about personality types, um, and obviously, you know, Enneagram, Disc, Strengths Finder, but also two love languages is such a powerful one. And I feel like um, every love language is ultimately about affirming that you're seen and heard but it's just doing it in different ways. And so I give this example, like for words of affirmation, um, words of affirmation and acts of service. So words of affirmation for me isn't about, you know, you look so beautiful today, Stephanie. Oh, great outfit. Or like, you did that really well. You know, like it's, it's way more than just like shallow compliments. It's about um, words of affirmation, which that means to affirm who that person is. And so, you know, if my husband comes up and says to me, gosh, Steph, I just love the way that you, like if, if he was listening to this conversation, like, I love the way you led that interview because I can tell that you really love Brent and you you really want people to get what's going on. And it's affirming who I am at the core of, uh, of Stephanie, right? And so the same thing with acts of service, because that's my second love language. At one point, I thought it was my first, but it's not necessarily about just doing any one thing. It's it's about if someone does an acts of service that um, ticks off a, a this might have to do with because I'm such an achiever, but you know ticks off a box or um, just enlightens my day in a way that um, is is significant or relevant. Um, otherwise, sometimes people could do stuff and it doesn't necessarily land the same way as if they saved me time or they like if you made me a loaf of bread, I'd be like. <laughs> real bread you made them? what like that would like be so cool and to have fresh bread it's like a whole thing now that i understand because i've made bread um and so i wonder for you if it's if it's the same is it like just anything someone because it's not just anything somebody does for you right or or would you argue different yeah no i i think it is i mean it's, it's those it's those things like I think again, all, you know, especially as a mom, I'm sure like you've got lists and you've got things in your head, like all the things you need to do. And it's just always there. And I think, you know, when I, when I've got those lists of things that I need to, I feel like I need to get done. And, 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 and two, I, you know, I, I, again, I, I show my love, you know, I love when people do access service for me and I, and I, and I do the same thing. Like I, so if I see laundry piled up, I'll go in there and, and it's interesting because my wife, she, you know, we, she struggles with the fact that when I do those access service, Cause I, again, I, I want to help. I'm, I'm, I get home from work and she's doing something and I'm like, Hey, I can go help do this while you're doing that. You know, we work, work together, uh, but she feels bad. She's like, you've been at work all day and you don't need to come home and now tr trying to do that and all this. I'm like, no, like that's, that's how we work together. That's the teamwork. Like I have no problem doing that. Um, so I think for me, I think, you know, if, if there's some things I'm like, oh, I need to get, I need to get this done. I need to go do this. I need, and then when those things are done, like, which is, which is hard because it's like, you don't you know, know what she, the list is she doesn't know what's my, yeah, she has no yeah. idea what's in my brain. And and that's been a struggle to try to figure out what those things are. Um, but I mean, but I mean, anytime someone does something that like, if I can tick off, tick off the thing or, and I'm I try to vocalize, but we've struggled in our, sometimes in our marriage, sometimes, especially just trying to learn how to grow together. Um, I would make lists and this is looking back, it was really not, uh, not good, but like I'd make a list of stuff and then she would, you know, I'd make a list of stuff and I'd go to work. And then like, I'm thinking, Oh, this is, this would be great. Like she can do those things while I'm at work. And, and, you know, she felt judged if, she, if, if I came home from work and those things weren't checked off the list and she, that was a real source, source, uh, source subject for us. And, and, and I, got, I recognize that's not fair. That's not fair for me. Like, here's the list of stuff. It better be done when I get home. And, and I didn't think of it that way. I was just thinking like, I, these are all things in my head. If you could help do some of these things, that'd be great. Um, that way I don't have, I don't have the stress. Um, but I didn't communicate very well either. Like I just, you know, hey, when you can you do this, 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 and and she's trying to help take care of babies and all the things. She's like, maybe I think so in her head, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but like, but realistically, because she's like, I I couldn't do it. Like I I had to run these errands and I couldn't I couldn't do those things. And so I is it just for me just like, I think it's a maturity thing just growing up. Like I've had to be like, you know, it's it's all good. Like it'll, it'll get done eventually. But I do sometimes get caught in like that anal of like. I just need to get this thing done because it's been driving me crazy and and I just do it myself. But yes, yes. And I've so been there before for sure. And acts of service, it's so much easier to speak it. And then it's kind of like, well, why don't people just get this, especially whatever love language you have? It seems easy to you, but it's not easy to other people. So if you're listening right now and you think that you have a loved one that is uh, acts of service, recommendation is if you see them working on something, just come alongside them and say, hey, how can I help you? 
or just pick up if, if they're if they're doing laundry, fold with them so they get it done faster so they can get to their next next task or or just literally say, is there any way I can help you right now? Like you will blow their mind. Like they will feel so loved and so seen. It's like, oh my gosh, you care for me. You see what's important to me. And so that's, that's my little soapbox. Cause you said that. And it, it's like, I've had a greater understanding once that kind of acts of service has never really been at the top, but you know, as life changes and seasons change in your life and I'm running a business and we have four kids and we've got all the stuff going on. It was like, oh man, I am so stinking busy. So when someone sees something and does it um, and, and takes care of something, it is just like, wow, amazing in so many ways, uh, in a deep, deeper ways. So I appreciate your, your, uh, your, your thoughts on that because it, acts of service, I feel like is one of the more rare ones. I feel like, I don't know. I don't meet. I don't know. I don't meet a whole bunch of people who's acts of service. Really, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think, I think, again, I think I saw that from. I think I grew up with that. I think that's that's how my dad was. My dad wasn't physical touch. You know, he didn't didn't. You know, wasn't words of affirmation necessarily like either. And but I think it was. And again, I didn't appreciate it until later on in my life when I was like, my dad worked three, like three, four jobs and just to try to help make ends meet. And just, you know, he didn't, he, we didn't take a lot of vacation. He didn't get, like, there wasn't a lot of, you know, dad time by himself. Um, he was always working. And, and so sometimes you can kind of be like, my dad was always working, but my dad was working to help support our family. So that we didn't go without. And, and so then yeah, my love appreciation grew, grew as I like, as I, could think through that and process that. I'm like, of course, like he, my dad was busy, but he was working to support us. And it wasn't, it wasn't working so he can get, can go on some golf trip away from his family. Like he didn't ever do that. It was, it was just to help make ends meet. So. Um, and that yeah. is such a beautiful thing. Whenever we get to a point in our life where we can look back at some things that may have caused us a lot of trauma and turmoil, which is valid, right? Sometimes in the way that we were parented, but look back at it and also see our parents as a human who was just trying to do the best that they could. And sometimes I meet some people or, or, you know, have a friend or two that they haven't gotten to that point yet where they were able to kind of reconcile. And it doesn't just because you reconcile like, okay, he didn't spend a lot of time with us. He didn't tell me, you know, how he felt about me or he didn't say he loved me. Um, it doesn't mean that that doesn't hurt or you invalidate that experience, but it's that you can love them unconditionally, which coming back to that, right. And saying, I see that. I understand that that was what you had to do to survive. Um, and what you thought was best, but I also see how you loved me and showed up this way. And, um, gosh, it's just so powerful in our lives whenever we're able to make that transition. Was that something that you, that you worked on intentionally? Like, did that come up or did it just kind of happen? Oh, I, I worked on it. So, um, so before, so actually, you know, it's funny. I met Russell, and um, I, I, we were, he was, you know, he just graduated a year before me, and I was, I was getting ready to graduate from, from, uh, with my bachelor's degree, and uh, I was planning to go to grad school. I got accepted. I was going to, I was going to become a marriage and family therapist. That's what, I, that's what I was going to do. And uh, but I started working with Russell, and then I was like, man, I can. Came to the realization. I saw him having a lot of success, and I was like, man, I can help. I can help if I work with Russell. I can help a lot more people. And instead of changing, you know, exchanging time for for dollars, I can I can help people in the world. It doesn't have to necessarily be someone in a small community. So, um, so, but, I, but I, I did a year of, of marriage family therapy, uh, my master's degree, towards my master's degree, and then I, I dropped out. But you know, in that in that time, and we we practiced therapy on each other, and so I got rid of a lot of garbage and a lot of that, that those feelings that you know we talked about the trauma. Like I had a lot of that pent up. I had a lot of comparisons to why did my dad love my brother more than me? Like I had a lot of that stuff, and. Um, Again, I think I have some distance was good. You know, I was it wasn't in my face so much when I when I lived twelve hours away, and uh, and and I was able to get rid of a lot of that junk that held me back and that hurt my relationship. That I you know kind of re-traumatizing myself in in, in my head and you know and feeling sorry for myself and those kinds of things. I was able to kind of, think, but it, but I mean, I, it took me breaking down in in therapy, practicing with the other students, and then you know we just wore these hats. We'd help each other, and uh, but I got rid of a lot of that. Uh, got rid of a lot of that stuff. And and I have an older brother who um, who had like some similar feelings of, with my dad in the relationship. And, um, and he's never, he's never gotten over that. And he, he's, um, there's actually kind of a disassociation with our family right now. And it's been for a few years and it's really a sad deal, but, um, you know, you know, we, you, people have to get work through those things. And for me, for me, that was, that was, that was, it was healing to do that. And so then again, I was able to have, have 
you have a relationship with my dad. Um, and again, it, it ended sooner than, you know, he passed away unexpectedly, but, um, but because of, because of, of me taking care of that stuff, we were able to have a positive relationship and, and he had a relationship with my kids, you know, when they were little and, and, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel that, man, I didn't get a chance to say this. Like, yes, I feel like he knew no that, regret, he knew that. Right? Yeah. yeah. And no regrets with, with, and I, for him too, you know, it was about you know, about eight months, nine months before he passed away. I mean, he he was in oh, he was in fine health. He wasn't diagnosed with anything, but I got some 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 text message from him, and and that caused me to to make an extra trip home for Christmas, which I normally we didn't normally go home for Christmas. I went home for Christmas, and then um, again some other conversations. We went we went home for spring break, which we normally didn't do, and so so because of again you know, we were prompted, you know, whatever we want to call it. Um, I made about two or three extra trips to see my dad um, before he passed away. Just again, without knowing it was. So I, I got, I got some, some, some additional time in there. Um, and my kids got some additional time with, with their grandpa. And, uh, and that was a big, big but if I, if I held a grudge and if I didn't, wasn't willing to overcome those and, and see that um, I wouldn't have had that time and, and my kids wouldn't have the relationship. And I would have those regrets today if, if I hadn't taken care of those things. Yeah. And, you know, for anybody who's listening, I hope that um, it's a reminder because I, it's so hard to live with the pain of what, what happens in childhood, you know, to a lot, to, I would say the overwhelming majority of us, there's, there's something that has gone wrong and it may have to do with our parents, may have to do with our siblings, may have to do with anything, but like just making, making good with the things that happened and the people in our lives. And it doesn't mean that boundaries don't, like go away. Like if you need healthy boundaries with whoever it might've been, you can keep those healthy boundaries, but to actually do the deep work, like you did Brent, which uh, bravo and how cool that it happened in school. Like it was kind of facilitated for you in, in what you were going after. So it's amazing that you did that deep work and that you had those promptings to go see your dad, because it's an awful thing to live with regret, you know? And, um, especially whenever you're older, like just being able to, have the wherewithal. Like I felt like with my mother, because I you know, lost my dad when I was around six years old and then lost my mom in my early 20s. And man, when you're in your early 20s, you just don't have too much sense about life as much as you think you do, right? I really thought I understood. <laughs> I thought I was so mature. And, I, and I, I feel like I was, but man, what I didn't know that I know now, you know, and, and especially about the human existence and about being a mother and about what she lived through and the empathy. I have so much more understanding now. It wouldn't have changed boundaries I had to set, but man, if I could go back and, and make it good, you know, if I could go back and see her through that, those, those lenses, it would be so powerful and change so much. And so I hope that if you're listening and you have any, anybody you need to make good with, like you need to do the deep work on that you would take Brent's story as inspiration to do that and and not to wait because life is too dang short, Brent, huh? hundred percent. Too yeah, short. Too short. Yeah. We, we've got to, we've got to make the best of what we've got and, and especially with our kids. And I love that you also too or mentioned earlier that, you know, we don't have that long with them. We've only got X amount of summers, right? And you guys are coming into that phase much like we are where it's like, kids are going to start leaving the house. They're going to be gone. And, you know, it, we were just looking the other day, our youngest is 10. And so realistically speaking, and, you know, possibly in eight years, we could have an empty home. And it's like, I just can't even comprehend that right now. And so to soak in this season uh, is is so important. So I, I love that you're doing that and that you're trying to seize the day and create spaces in your house for these kids to come over here and 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 standing up and holding those boundaries with with screens in, in your kids' lives. And so those are just some really exemplary things that I think you're doing as a father, Brent. And so I just appreciate you coming on and and sharing where you are and what you've got going on. I know it's got has to have been an inspiration for those who are listening. I know you've always inspired me. So um I just thank you so much for coming on. Do you have oh actually, I'm sorry, hold on. I've got one more question for you. This is the last question. So Brent. What does it mean for Brent Co-Peters to be a good father? You know, in, in my my views, it is it's you know supporting my kids. You know, again, it's it's make sure they have those basic needs, and uh, and and being there, being present. I think is is I think that's a good a good father. And, you know, you know, a bit again the, the challenge of balancing those things out is is, is heavy sometimes. And, and I see people that I work with and around, and it's it's not easy. But I think being there, being present, um, it, it just you need to know that that 
we're there for them. Our kids think there's so many things being thrown at them. They just need to know that they've got someone in their corner who, who backs them up. Oh, that's so good, Brant. Well, you're fighting the good fight and you're making it happen. I love that. Um, and I, I know that hopefully if everybody's listening, that you feel inspired to do the same. So if, uh, if you, we're going to be, make sure that we uh, have our show notes and everything. Brent is amazing. Uh, I asked him, I was like, Hey, where can we send people? You know, in typical fashion, he's like, ah, I'm just here. I'm around. And so um, if you enjoyed this podcast, I would love for you to screenshot it, post it on social media, tag us, let us know um, what inspired you specifically about this podcast and maybe what action you're going to take because you heard it, because this is what it's all about. It's about powerful parenting and how can we show up powerfully in our lives for our kids and for those that we love. And so I hope you've enjoyed this podcast today. And uh, Brent, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your life and your story with us. Just really appreciate you, man. You're so welcome. Thank you. I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it. And you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode.